Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, friends. I'm Kim Skorupski here at Hopkins, and I'm looking at this hugely smiling face of Dr. Aisha Shafi. Hi, Aisha. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so, so welcome here. I'm so happy to have you. And friends, Dr. Shafi came to us from our friend, frequent flyer on the podcast, Dr. Sarah Ammond here at Hopkins. And Sarah was telling me all about Aisha. Let me tell you who she is. She is an assistant professor at the Center for Prostate Disease Research, CPDR, at Uniformed Services University and Walter Reed. She's right down the street of Bethesda. She's got a great story to tell us today and share with us. It's all about peer mentoring. Aisha, welcome to Faculty Factory Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What do you have to tell us about peer mentoring? Who cares? How value <laughs> can you possibly get mentoring from peers? Well, it's truly invaluable. <laughs> Actually, we can fill many hours talking about it, but I want to give, I'm glad you uh, gave the shout out to Sarah because Sarah is the crux of how I really started the peer-to-peer mentoring from that standpoint. So um, just a little backtrack. So like, Throughout our times, right, throughout our careers, we have different mentors at different times that guide and, you know, um, influence our careers and help us progress. And you have, um, from my standpoint, since I'm from the science side of it, you have my PhD mentor and guiding me and involving me to be like this uh, molecular scientist. And then I had my postdoc mentor that guided me during my transition to evolve into translational scientist. And then from that standpoint, you broaden your network and community. And so Sarah and I met the Prostate Cancer Foundation, since we were both young investigators there, and we were like-minded scientists and individuals. And from there, we would do a lot of like talking about science and then talking about, you know, different walks of paths that we were doing at the same time in our career. It was really um, catapulted during COVID with a lot of Zoom virtual remote meetings that were occurring that Sarah and I would do check-ins with each other just to see how it's going, how it's handling at Hopkins versus at that time I was at Thomas Jefferson University and our back-to-back from there. And there was a lot of um, engagement. We talk about, okay, how's your lab doing? How's my lab doing? What are you facing? Um, And I was also on the job market at that time. (laughs) So it's a great time to go uh, during COVID and (laughs) all this uncertainty. But through those conversations, and it was just a natural back and forth, Sarah and I would talk about, oh, it's so great. We have really strong mentors that guide us in our career and our science um, and so many avenues. Um, We started talking about, oh, we're so fortunate between RPIs and mentors that we have that we're exposed to other people and make connections. Um, And we talked about not everyone has that opportunity. And how fortunate we are within that normal mentorship to also have peer-to-peer because I can go to Sarah and know that it's a trusted circle where I can ask for advice from different avenues. And from there, we decided, okay, like we should like, you know, share this ability and see if other people want to engage in this. So we considered um, reaching out to the Prostate Cancer Foundation since they already have a group of young investigators um, if they would um, basically put out a survey to see if the young investigators wanted to be connected or networked with other established investigators within the prostate cancer foundation community between the PCF community. And they really liked the idea. So then Sarah and I worked together to pitch this idea of things really we thought were important topics. And so we did this um, pilot program for six months to touch on key different things on a one-to-one meeting, one hour a month. 
And this could range from obviously your normal, just get to know each other. (laughs) What are your goals to setting a mission statement for yourself, a mission statement for your lab or your clinical career from what aspect you wanted from there. Um, Also, um, this engaged like setting an individual individual development plan or IDPs that you can do from that standpoint. Um, Also giving guides on like, how do you manage a team? How best have established people done it? They've had more experience as you're newer, earlier in your career, establishing to that point what's worked, what hasn't worked. How do you manage a clinical team versus a lab team? Obviously, I know stuff more from the research side. Maybe pairing with a clinical clinician, you can get a different input. And this allowed to like talk about potential challenges or opportunities that come with leading a team. Um, how do you change your mentoring style based on individuals versus a team? right? That's always like in flux. (laughs) Um, How do you manage like practical resources? So like when I was a postdoc, I didn't know how to budget for things. I just be like, I want that. Can I get it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that's something you got to start thinking about, (laughs) right? It was was funny in some of the conversations with Sarah, when we talk about it, I'd be like, oh, it's like when you're a kid, right? You're given an allowance. Now you have to do it from that standpoint too, for your lab and how you do it. So it's understanding it from the different standpoints. And then how do you manage like interpersonal relationships between team members in the lab, your peers, additional colleagues, department chairs, like those different things and how to like handle conflict, you know, how to keep team morale up. These are different things to think about, right? From a standpoint of um, mentoring and what Sarah's already gone through experience wise, she can provide to me at different times. And since we are different individuals, giving different perspectives is really helpful. I think that's been um, key in that standpoint. And then just some like resources, what she's been, uh, um, she and others know are like, oh, this has worked for me. Have you thought about, and you know, this, this book that gives tips on this versus that. And then one of the other topics we talked about for me, obviously I was more at that time. Cause I was in the transition of, um, on the job market was, you know, how to get support for your career path. Who do you talk to? How do you network? What is the best things? What is work, not work from that standpoint? And just knowing what resources are available. But then that also transfers on for like instance, Sarah's uh was going up for a potential tenure packet, right? For promotion. Those are different things. How do you do that? What's good, what's not good, right? People are going through different stuff and are are going through similar things using different um techniques, right? So that's something that was really helpful too. And then um just different ways networking from the science standpoint of, oh, okay, you know, someone who's a pathologist, that's not my area of expertise. Can you help connect me? Those are other things that also help from there. Um, Alongside, you know, your personal life is also going alongside, right? It's not just your professional and how to balance different stuff that's going on with that. When to say yes, when to say no, the aspects of imposter syndrome that we feel, right? And then to know that we're not in isolation. So it was really more just so like we found it to be really helpful and in, in this natural setting, but we also realized it was very um, special, like the relationship and bond that we had built. So from that, we wanted to share what we had learned and give people other tips and tools and resources from it, and then also expand our network as well, right? So it was really started from there. And then when we um, pitched it to the Prostate Cancer Foundation, they were super supportive of that. And so the pilot program worked really well for the first year. People were really excited. We were fortunate to have these established um, investigators that were um, both from the basic, the translational and the clinic side that gave their time towards mentoring other um, people outside of their home institution, these young investigators. So we had a 
around 25 to 30 pairs. And so that worked really well for the first six months. And so after that, we've continued, we're now in year three of it. So it's been going really well. And we've always just heard positive feedback from it. But with that in mind, um, recently this past year, Sarah and I were like, well, we should enter a new phase, this peer-to-peer. Because we were naturally already doing it, doing our check-ins and and saw like how beneficial it us was for us that we wanted to share that avenue. So we started that as well at PCF now. So now there's peer-to-peer pairs and it's great to see what, I think for me, a lot of it is, it's nice to see that people aren't, maybe not nice, but it's good to know that people aren't like, you're not alone in your struggles. People are going through similar stuff and then you can share what's worked, what's not worked, if that makes sense. Not that like you want people to be struggling, but in the sense that you have like, it's not uncommon, right? Right, it totally reduces that isolation. This is so amazing. First of all, congratulations. (laughs) And thank you for having the courage and being proactive and coming up with the idea. I mean, so many people have these wonderful gifts and talents and experiences. And they think, yeah, that would be nice, but like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. So meh, I'll pass. So thank you for putting your, you know, nose to the grindstone and actually committing to (laughs) developing other people. That's, that is true leadership. So kudos to you and Sarah. So Aisha, can you, um, as you were describing the very rich curriculum and all the different topics, you know, you're making me wonder, it sounded like it was just a very natural one hour a month, probably people dropped into Zoom, it probably an email went out to remind people, hey, this week, we're going to talk about, you know, building a team or managing a team. And then did did you and Sarah just touch base via email before say, hey, you know, next Wednesday's talk, you know, we're doing on managing a team or building a team. You know, did you do like, I'm trying to get a gauge of how much preparation was it? Well, I'm going to say three, five bullet points, or I'm going to do a literature search and I'm going to, you know, talk to the experts and I'm going to read 15 books and 42 articles (laughs) and run some analyses and I'll be prepared for the thing next week. It sounds to me like it's the opposite of that, like just very much natural, organic sharing experiences from my perspective. How about you, Aisha? Yeah, well, from my perspective. And then the people on the call would also just chat or unmute and just riff. Yeah. So I will say you made it sound like we had put it together really well in the beginning. We had not. We had to learn, right? We're scientists. We learned from iteration, took feedback and improved the um uh, program, but definitely in the beginning, I think Sarah and I were like, Oh, this is great for us. It works really well for us. This is what we'll sell people to do. Um, and so a, we were super excited that people found good feedback and they were loving the program. So we did like an initial survey and then a post survey to see how it was going. And from that, we realized since Sarah and I had such a good ease with each other, not everyone has that. Right. And so then we built basically a pamphlet to be like, okay, these are examples of topics you should have for each one of your conversation to try to pose it. And so we created one with, these are questions. This is what you can touch on. Make sure you send an email to schedule your next meeting. Right. We did it from that because it was not just like that. So we didn't think that through. So we learned about that. We also, as we've built it now into its third year, we've added in resources that they can already utilize. So like for the individual, like the goal setting mission, right. For, we'll be like, Oh, potentially before you do this, do IDP or 
discuss this and then do your IDP. Or for examples of how do you manage a team, maybe take a Myers-Briggs test to see what is best for your personality trait versus other ones and how to manage that, how best you manage conflict. So these were things to put in. So you did have to do a little bit of homework, right, before you went into trying to have the, basically to do enough to get the best out of the experience. Because we know, especially before the peer-to-peer, but for the normal paired mentors, mentees that we had, the established investigators are pretty busy, right? And so like on that, it's really on the young investigators to drive that. So for instance, I was paired with a clinician and I did that on purpose because I wanted a different like pairing so I could just have a different perspective. And I'm fortunate. I have really good mentors that I still am in contact with. And I have different people that I utilize knowing my personality and be like, how would I handle this perspective from that standpoint? So I had a clinician paired with myself in order to get a different perspective and see how things manage from that standpoint. But as we move to the peer-to-peer, maybe it's a little easier because you're on similar levels and understanding from that time-wise, but it still is what you put into it, right? From that standpoint and what you're wanting. It wasn't, you did definitely sell us like, we already do it from there. But um, we did in the beginning to be like, make sure you, you know, reach out with your pairs. It's really on the mentees to drive it because it's, really driven to more what they need, right, from that standpoint. So Sarah and I do, uh, for ours, that we still do it, ours through our connection, um, everyone gets busy. So we definitely just always make sure at the end of it, we've scheduled one for the next one. Mm-hmm. And um, I do this with, like, my grad school friends. So a couple, one of my grad school friends recently just started her faculty position. And so in in doing this, she, she had a bunch of questions and I was like, oh my God, this is so similar to the questions I asked Sarah, right? <laughs> like so to be on the other side of it and see that. And so we do the same stuff. We do like um, a, peer to, a peer-to-peer that we do from that standpoint. So it's now establishing into different, you know, branches just to see from there. So it helps. I, I think our schedules just get busier and busier. So sometimes it's best to schedule it right at the end to All do right. that. Yeah. And I, sometimes I it's not just so many, science. So many of my yeah. meetings that we're doing Zoom now, I'm like, all right, we're all on Zoom. Let's all go over to our calendars right now. Let's not send a doodle poll or this or that. Let's just take 45 seconds, click, 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 right. bing, done, bing, bing, done. But I, again, I'm just so, so excited by this because this is like right up my lane, getting people together in community. And I love the double dipping aspect of this, not, that not only are you mentoring each other and giving very valuable tips that you can apply at this moment to have actionable progress toward goals, but you're building community. You're built in social support network. You are, as you said, you're reassuring each other, hey, we got you. You're not having to reinvent this stuff. I mean, you don't have to figure this out. We will help you. And that is so important, especially as you pointed out, Aisha, in academic medicine, people are so busy. We are not the kind of industry where people punch out and then go sit at the local pub for a, a pint and right. or go go golfing or or just hang out. Everybody is just working like crazy, running home to their kids, closing their epic encounters, writing grants, writing papers. The socializing is not something that we do with intention. Most of us, it's just our whole identity is work. So I love the fact that this mentoring is serving two purposes, academic career and professionalism, as well as this important connectedness and building community with people. It's just really so vital. 
Yeah. I, and that's exactly like, we knew it was like, you can tell like when you're in it and you're like, this is like special, right. And from that standpoint to feel it. And we're hoping other people, I mean, Sarah and I had developed a friendship, right. So it was like ease to have that type of conversation, but in hearing, getting feedback from each one of the um, years or times that we do the program, we're hearing people have the connection and they're sustaining it past the just the six month program, you know, from that standpoint, and that's exactly what we want to hear. And we've seen, obviously, from the standpoint, like we want it to be professionally successful. But from there, and we hear people be like, Oh, I was able to foster a collaboration, we wrote a grant together, I was on invited to, you know, chair a session at a meeting, like these are things that are important for your professional career, but also to be like, Oh, this was really insightful from these personal reasons, right. And so like, that's one of the big things. And um, it was just nice to see the growth. So I also, with that in mind was like, oh, I can, this doesn't need to just be within like the prostate cancer foundation or from that standpoint. So with that, I had like connected with like, when I was a graduate student, my postdoc who mentored me with it within the lab, and she's also a faculty position already. And so like, it was the same thing of like learning from her, but now she's seen my growth. And it's just like seeing that stage of like, okay, how did you manage this? Have you gone through this? You know? Um, as scientists, we're always about like bettering ourselves and like, you know, troubleshooting and optimizing, but it's the same thing in managing people or tackling, you know, um, different like policies within a department, even though it's a different institution, there's like similar things that you need to know and tips and people who have like already gone through it and they're willing to share. And from that standpoint, we're really big on creating this community. And so I came from labs that were heavy team science and like people say it, right? They're like, oh, we're team science. But to like be a part of a truly effective team science team, I was fortunate to be a part of that. I saw it work. I know like the benefits of it, but like you have to have people committed to it, right? And so like people have to believe it as well for it to work. So I think that's where like the mentoring and like your relationships and the peer-to-peer, if both parties believe it and they trust in it, right? That's when it works. And you're hoping to capture that specialness again from that standpoint. But I, I've also been fortunate to be a part of another group, um, the NR Impact. So they're um, nuclear receptor early and mid-career um, PIs that, again, range the gamut of um, basic molecular translational scientists. And to be a part of that, this is my first year that I was added into it. And I see that they have also created a similar community. So it's without from that, you know, um, to see that they also support each other. And a lot of it's done through, they do Zoom meetings and also that they do, they're heavily use Slack to keep each other updated and send input mm-hmm. and like, we'll jump on calls. And so it's nice to see how these different, you know, um, tools that we have can be utilized. And then one of the things I always find funny that I'm trying to implement with my group as well, because they're not big users of Slack. And I was like, listen, guys, I'm going to get you guys to use it. Because it's not just about like, oh, did you see this cool paper? Can you send this data? There's also channels about like, okay, goofy things, right? Like, just like, you know, because life's going on, right? You want to add that stuff in there. So I think that community stuff can happen in small stages, but like, you need different pockets, like your different pockets for different support times that you're going through. That's perfect. It's beautiful. I I love how you described all the multi-layered facets of community and where we can find it. Now, Aisha, a couple times now, once before we hit record, and at least twice now, you mentioned, you said, I had good mentorship. And earlier you said, you know, Sarah had good mentorship. Can you paint us a picture of the characteristics that you think depict or characterize a good mentor? What does that look like? For yeah. You? So, yeah, for me, I would just, obviously I can say it biasly from my standpoint. I just think even like 
early on from my um, earliest time that I can think of, like you have people that you look up to, right? And so from that standpoint and people that guide you, but from like a career wise, you have your traditional mentors, right? You're a graduate student, you have a PI mentors. And from my growth, my PI mentor was very um, patient, if that's the best word, right? Like I'm new, I'm trying to understand all these like techniques. And so it was very good in the way like, met my needs of how I needed to be like, okay, this is how you do stuff very basically without like overwhelming. Right. And so I think that was like a mark of like, that's definitely what I needed at that time when I'm evolving. Right. And would be nurturing in the sense of like, check in to see like, okay, are you meeting your benchmarks? Are you reaching those? And that was very good because I'm someone who's very structured. Right. And so like, as I'm developing myself as a young scientist and seeing what works, what doesn't work, that was very helpful to develop. And then my postdoc time, very different personalities in the mentors, um, but was phenomenal in the sense of like, as I was growing and like evolving in my career was really good on making, challenging me in the most supportive way to, you know, evolve. And so I found that to be um, from her style of how she mentored was really interesting because definitely adjusted to seeing people's. I think she was really good at like seeing people like, okay, that's not their biggest strength. So how can I support it so that they don't feel uncomfortable with it? And so I found that to be really good to see how to adjust to different styles um, and how to manage, okay, is this something that you really need or don't need versus from that standpoint? So I think adjusting, seeing how my mentors adjusted to like my strengths versus like my weaknesses and not because they could tell that I get overwhelmed with my weaknesses to make me feel like it wasn't a burden or wasn't a bad thing to turn that eventually into a strength or give me the opportunities so that I could feel more comfortable in that setting. So I think that's being able to adjust to each person is one of the big ones. And then also fostering an environment of trust and open uh, communication. That was like a big thing for sure. Because people say, oh, you know, this safe space, it's trust, but it, it evolves over time. And like, as you grow through your stages of grad school or your postdoc or anything, you're in an ebb and flow, right? There'll be good times and then everything's great, but then you have tough times. But if at the core, you always know your mentor has your best interest, they're looking out for you, you're part of the team, or you have this like almost family mentality. That's something that I think was nurtured in so many different little ways that it like, you always felt, okay, even though I'm having like a low point in the science or like a great example was like when I was on the job market, not the best time to go on the job market during COVID, right? It was a lot of uncertainty. Um, I will say my mentor was very like <laughs> adjusting to like my needs because she could definitely see that like my confidence was shaken, right? Mm -hmm. and, and able to support that without making it feel like like I believed in the support, if that makes sense, not just be like, oh, she's just saying that, right? Those are definitely one of the ones that I, I feel like the communication and like having that open and then adjusting to like, sometimes you can't just sugarcoat things. Like you have to be able to have the tough conversation, but know that I still have your best interest. And I think that fosters from having this trust. Wow. Great, great pointers. Those are things I'm hoping that listeners uh, from the mentee perspective can appreciate that um, diversity in styles, that there's no yes. one right style to lead, to mentor, to sponsor, to coach. It sounds like the two mentors you mentioned were unique, different individuals, but had a very um, personalized approach to mentorship. Yes. In other words, they didn't treat every 
mentee, like in in the military, where a soldier is a soldier, a marine is a marine, a cadet's a cadet, and this is the way everybody. It's not the same for everybody. So it sounds like they both had high or have high emotional intelligence, and were able to find your strengths and amplify those. And as you said, like give you stretch projects, but know when, know when to push you and know when to say, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. That, that yeah. balance of like, come on, you can do this versus come on, stop being so hard on yourself. You don't have to yeah. do that. That's and, that, that, that dance. That <laughs> and I couldn't only, I could only appreciate it after the fact, after, right? Like oh, in it, <laughs> in it, I was like, oh my God, you yes. know, like, but but like retrospective, I like will message my like, and it's not just like your obviously your career mentors. You, I I had a slew of other mentors, right? But outside of like, I just those are good examples for like key ones from that standpoint. But within that, they're my like two key like mentors from like my PhD and my postdoc time. Very different personalities, and still weren't cookie cutter in the way that they they had different approaches on how they did it. But it fit for like my like personality at those times, if that makes sense, right? Growing. So like, um, I, I feel like I needed the slower pace and the more hands-on earlier on as I like evolved through there. And it, it just allowed me to get like the right nurturing I needed and the guidance from that standpoint. Not to say that there weren't like, you know, growing pains, of course, that that happens from that standpoint, but also it's then direct I think the biggest thing for sure is the trust and feel like you can have that communication. And sometimes it's hard, right? Like it's your mentor and you want to have this conversation. And I can remember that in so many different stages, but in order to have those conversations, I would go to other people that I felt like serve like mentors in different capacities, right. To then get their advice to see how best for me to uh, approach that or have that conversation. Um, but uh, now I can see it myself being a mentor to my own trainees and seeing how they adjust and, I want to be the best mentor because I feel like I've been so fortunate to have good mentorship. So then I'm trying to adjust my management style to cater to their different personalities. Right. And so I'm like, Oh my God, this is actually like, you can see people do it right. And be like, Oh, they're so good at adjusting it. But I'm sure there was like trying to learn between the different personalities and at different times, you know, sometimes projects are working versus not and like how to manage that and learning what's the best way to motivate your people. Like is so now, because I still text my mentor and be like, how did you do this? Or, or sometimes I'll just mentor to be like, I just wanted to say thanks. You really handled a lot more than I really realized. But I think about it, like I talked to it with my like sisters and I was like, oh my God, I don't know how mom and dad did this for us. Right. You know, like, it's like almost like the same thing. I'm like, because yeah. I see like my sister be like with her kids and she's like, oh my God, I don't know how mom handled all this with us, you know, so from that standpoint, but some of it just comes with like when you get older and like with experience to be like, oh, wow, they really were looking yeah. out for me. <laughs> well, Dr. Shafi, you said something earlier that made me um, really appreciate the peer mentoring. And you said that, you know, with both of those, at least the two key mentors you gave us as examples, that each of them, the experiences, relationships with each of those was uh, important for that moment or the season of life where you were like yeah. at that time, you were at a certain place that that kind of mentorship, that level fit that purpose at that need, which is a beautiful reminder that underscores the value of peer mentorship because peers are by nature where you are. I mean, not necessarily identically going through 
day by day struggles, but in the same relative season of life, you know, new as you march through the career, finishing up your training and early career, mid career, later career, starting a family, getting getting married, getting paired up, having babies, getting promoted, all those seasons and life events and pivotal moments, the first grant, the first paper, that's the beauty of peers that they are with you. It's not just, oh, when you were at my age, how'd that feel for you, mentor? Or tell me back yeah. in the good old days, you know, how that worked for you when you had a Smith Corona typewriter and had to make 12 copies of your grant application on right. the copier and drive it over to the FedEx station before midnight. <laughs> how did that work out with your horse and buggy? But <laughs> rather you're with peers who are like, oh yeah, I totally get that. I'm So that is the built-in beauty of like the exhale of like, whew, all right. Yes, this is not just Dr. Shafi against the world. We're all in various stages or, or steps in this stage or this season. So they get it. I get it. People get it. People get me. People got me. And we're here to support each other. We may not have all the perfect answers for your institutional nuances, mm -hmm. but this is here's some stuff. Here's some ways to navigate that. So that's what I love about your model is that. Yes, it reminds us the importance of, of a team, mentoring teams, you know, the content mentor, the process mentor, the promotion mentor, the job coach mentor, but the peer mentors, that's such a unique and special bond of, you know, as you said with Sarah, it, you know, that it, it's beyond mentorship. It's just friendships. It's that social support. It's that community of people who will grow with you over your career Um you think about it like friends, they'll they'll move with you through your life. Whereas our mentors, you know, God willing, as long as they're mortal, will pass on, but your, your peer right. mentors will be right along with you. Yeah, no, and that's something that is just I think it is like starts with like we didn't like because like my grad school friends and I now that we're like in our career phase, you know, like more of like, oh, we used to think about trying to reach that, or even my like um undergrad friends. We like we try to do with my grad school friends, my undergrad circle of friends, we try to do this where we are we're always trying to be like once a year, <laughs> we try to do a reunion, right? Because we're like scattered and we always like tried. <laughs> we had to send out a doodle poll a calendar <laughs> to see when the date is and try to schedule it. But um we'll do like these virtual check-ins with each other and then just to see like through the phases of life, but then the specialty that you have, like what you just mentioned, is that this peer group is going to move with you through life, right? And like, to that point, you, there's something special that I like, I can't like, put the words properly to say of like, okay, you're not in isolation, but you're also going through it with someone who then can give you ex like relate immediately to the current challenges, the current environment, the atmosphere. Um, and also then now that we're at the stage where we're um, we also have like trainees or we're responsible for other people because we manage a team, right? To be like, uh, do you also feel dumb to not know what these Gen Z kids are saying? Like, you know, from that standpoint. Now you're the OG. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, why are you doing When did we become the senior people, senior people on board? I was just a minute ago. <laughs> and then we'll laugh about because we'll be like back in my day that's not what you did right and then we're like oh my god this is what our mentor said to us um like one of the laughing things would be like I feel like one of my mentors used to be like we never use kits because we understood how to do the science right um and we're like oh they've already made a kit why wouldn't you do that right um and trying to learn stuff and now they're just like what are you talking about this already done like this right in like a quick second or like now it's all like AI, right? And I was like, oh, I don't understand this. So I need you guys to help me. Um, but that's when I definitely feel old. <laughs> that's awesome. Another thing I love, um, 
about your your program, how you've described this is, you know, you told us how it started in for in the prostate cancer foundation, but you quickly realized that it had application obviously in other venues and other communities. Yeah. So your other professional societies or your departments, your divisions, your institutions. So I'm imagining listeners right now going, oh, so I could do this anywhere? Yes. yes. You could yes. certainly start your peer community, your peer coaching, your peer mentoring group, your institutions probably in your office of faculty development, office of faculty affairs have mentoring programs. Many of our institutions around the world do. And, and you could start your own. And, you know, Aisha has just described a pretty easy way of reaching out to a professional society or uh, a if you're going to have an annual conference, say, hey, could we organize a workshop or an evening session? My you know, colleagues and I would like to do something for early career people on mentoring. Even like one of those topics that you mentioned, Aisha, could be something a listener could propose to offer for new faculty, like new faculty orientation um, or in any kind of seminars and sessions that you would attend as a faculty member, it could be posed as a, hey, is anybody else interested in getting together on a quarterly basis? Or like we have here at Hopkins, I started WAGS, the writing accountability groups where people get together and write and, and generate scholarships. So there's, I guess I'm trying to, to, to let people know that Here's, you know, Aisha Shafi and uh, you know, Sarah Ammon going, hey, let's just start a program. Why not? And it's not like I'd say, and it's that easy, but it, it is something that it is- kinda just, wa- It kind of was, right? In the sense of us being like, hey, we like doing this. I wonder if our more so was like, does anybody else care to do this, right? And then we're like, why not? And Check Sarah and I talk about this a lot to be like, we wouldn't have done it individually. It only worked because we were doing it together, right? And so we pushed each other in the best ways, right, to move forward. And, and we also feel like there's times where um, we balance each other really well. So like there'll be times where she takes more of the lead and then I'll, because I'm like busy with something else and vice versa, right? And so like in that sense, it's nice to have because so, again, it comes back to like there's a trust. And so then you know um, this is a good working relationship, professional relationship, and then friendship, right? That's from that. And it, it wasn't really like all in that order, right? It evolved from different. And this came from Sarah and I not knowing each other at all, right? <laughs> to then developing that. And yeah, my my take would be like, don't be afraid to, um, if you feel like something's lacking or you feel like you don't have the community, just do it. Do it. Because the worst is you still don't have the community, right? And the answer is no, right? So like, right. You, you can't. <laughs> You know, so like, but the best out of it is I guarantee other people are probably searching for the same thing. And so this is a great example of, yeah, people wanted this. And Sarah and I were thinking, there's no way people already probably already do this, right? And so like, it's fine. And then realizing, oh, no, just no one had just put in a little bit of the effort to try to structure it and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. And so like, and then there was things that we thought were like, duh, moments, but then we're like, no, no, we need to provide a little more structure, give a little more guidance. And that's why you just always want feedback to improve, right? And from that standpoint, with that in mind, if you're thinking about it, please feel free to reach out to like your faculty department or any, to your point that you said that any society that you're part of, or even if reach out to Sarah and I, like we're happy to show you what we've we've been doing, you know, um, give any of the tools we've put together from the, the resources we've gathered, um, just to, you know, more community. Science is hard. You know, and so like you don't want to do anything in isolation. And I always tell I always tell my team, 
I promise you anything you think you've done wrong, I've already done it. So don't feel like you can't tell me because I probably messed it up worse than you have. And so like, let's talk about it. And there's no, um, I think for me, I think the whole thing of like the trust and community, I think it allows for me not to feel like, okay, I, I don't feel like I'm asking a dumb question if I'm talking to my peer to peers, right? Sometimes with your mentor, you feel like there's certain things you don't want to say, but in the peer to peer, I'm like, Hey, is this stupid or not? You know, like, and you know, it's not a problem. Yes. I love that safety, that built in safety of this space is sacred and safe because yeah, we know each other. We got each other. No one's trying to impress each other. No one's going to be signing anyone's promotion, you know, letters or firing each other. Um, Yeah. That's, that's so beautiful in a peer to peer community. Gosh, this is wonderful stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think um, this is an opportunity for people listening to really take you up on this and, and think, where can I make a difference? And I love how you said a duh moment that really, do we have to tell people like, this is how you introduce yourself and this is how you ask questions. But it's, you you know, you, you thought you figured it out. People will tell you what they need and how to make it better. I, I'm always amazed here at Hopkins when um, one of our new Senior Associate Dean for Women, Dr. Jenny Lee Summers, organized this promotion readiness work workshop. And I've been here over 10 years and we do these three times a year promotion workshops or seminars, but she did it a little bit differently. And people are like, oh, I love this. This is great. And I'm thinking, well, we do this, but we don't do that. We do this, but not that or not in that way. And so, you know, Aisha, you, but earlier you talked about Myers-Briggs and there's Clifton Strengths, and then there's the Enneagram. There's all these different people learn and take in information differently. Mm-hmm. And and so what do you say? You got to give the, you know, give the information seven different ways a Sunday over and over and over and over again. I promise you, if you're, if you do, if you're doing something and to you, it's like, well, duh, of course people know this or they already have it. Don't make that assumption because there's, yeah. you know, you like you said, the worst case scenario is you offer it. The worst case scenario is you throw a party and nobody comes. Then right. you got a lot of extra food and you don't have to clean up afterwards. I mean, so that's the worst thing. But then what I've also discovered is sometimes you throw a party, nobody comes, but then the next time somebody says, oh, you know, I'd really love to have a have a party. Oh, you know who throws a really good party? Aisha Shafi. Right. And yeah. so then it, the, the seed is planted. Maybe it's not harvested at that moment. Right. But you build, you put seeds in people's heads and they may not need it at that moment. They're like, well, I already have that. We have that. We have that. We have that, but not this. So it's it's always that kind of don't give up. Be courageous. If you have an idea, go for it. There's nothing, you know, that could bad that can come out of it. Even with one person, you could end up having a lifelong friend and collaborator. Right. At least, if nothing else, makes you feel like you're not alone, right? That's right. A, that's that's a good yeah. if nothing else. That's a really good if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, you just hit on so many of the key topics that like Sarah and I didn't even realize because we had created such a bond. Right. And so like, it just became so natural that we were like, wait, let's think about in the beginning, how did we talk to each other? Right. And so we had to backtrack to be like, oh no, it's not like we would ask these questions. We'd wait, we were more quiet. Right. And so like, you have to be like, okay, let's do prompts. And how did you, how did we say it? How did we not say it? And what those suggestions, especially for like, probably the first like three meetings, right? Because it is awkward. Like, how do you just strike a conversation if you're not someone who's more 
I guess, extroverted or just more comfortable having a conversation from that standpoint. I mean, I learned because so my best friend is super extroverted, very like friendly, just like that's her personality. And like we met back in like the first day of undergrad. And he's like, this girl was super welcoming, super. And I was like, super quiet, never talked, never did anything. Right. Yeah, I know. So it's usually the reaction I get. But so like my development has been very evolved, but it's again, season through life. So I needed different types of mentorship at different time. If I had gotten different, I, I always think about if I had gotten the order of mentorship at different times, I don't know if I'd be the same, right? In that sense, because I was more like a processor, quiet, let me think through it, not asking the question, just waiting to see if someone else would ask it, right? And now I'm like, I'm just going to ask the question, right? And but that would never like, I look back at my own growth from that standpoint, I my uh, best friend and I just recently went to a conference together. So we have not been to like a professional meeting since like undergrad times, right? So way different. So we're meeting together and we're just like, you know, going to talks or interacting. And then she just like looked at me. She's like, I'm just so proud of your growth. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then she goes, she goes, I always knew it was in you, but like to see you in action on a because we're like friends, right? It's not like we're talking about career, but in a career setting. And I just was like, to see her and her growth and what she's established and what she chose in her career, just to see that standpoint. And I was like, wow, you don't think the little things that you do along the way, they really do make a difference. And it could just be like, to your point, like it'd be a minor conversation. You could have heard of it, but if if you weren't ready for it at that point, it's not going to land, Right. And so it's just these different ones just to know you have someone to reach out to. And so everyone's like, oh, network is key. Network's key. I used to always hear that in grad school. And I was like, that's so overwhelming to me mm-hmm. to think network is key. Network is key. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to go talk to people. Too. And I'm like, oh, it's just like normal because I feel like I'm in the community. But that happened over time. Right. And so like Sarah and I always like to say we're like the awkward scientists who then just sat next to each other and then started talking from that standpoint. But it just you did like, and it's not something that's going to happen in one meeting. It's going to happen over time. And to your point that people come, some people are like different seasons of life. Some people just come in for a little time to mentor and you learn from them and move on. There's other people that are lifelong mentors and friends, right? So something else that maybe I really hadn't thought about before too, just mentioned it was this idea that, um, that discomfort that some of us have in certain situations when we're alone and in, in our own heads and certainly COVID and post-COVID, spending so much time inside our own space and our own heads, that when you are in community with your peers and doing something like this that is purposeful or intentional about peer mentoring, not only do you learn and pick up how other peers interact and engage, and, and you hear them telling their stories and you think, oh my gosh, she said what to her mentor? Or, oh, he he did that? He, oh, he really called his program officer? I didn't know you could do that. Kind of. So right. all those conversations that you'd, you'd have in our head when, when say, you're talking or Sarah's talking, and I'd be like, oh, so not only are you learning via osmosis or like just kind of just learning from other people from what comes out of their faces, but then you get that kind of, in, I'm a sociologist, so the Charles Horton Cooley talked about a looking glass self. Each to each, a looking glass reflects the other that doth pass, meaning that we're looking glass, we're mirrors to each other. So not only am I learning about what you're doing from what you're saying, but I'm also learning about me from how you see me. You know, is that making any kind of sense that like, as I, as you would get to know me and I'm thinking, well, I know me, I'm in my head. I, spend a lot of time <laughs> I know all, I don't have my CV. You don't have my CV. I know my CV, but rather you, Aisha might be like, um, Kim, I've noticed the past three times, you know, you, every time you talk about 
the gut microbiome, you know, your, your eyes get really excited and you get lit, lit up. And so, you know, why are you spending so much time looking at just IL-6 by itself and not looking at it? I mean, you're maybe interested in this, you know, epigenetic, da, 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 da. and I was like, oh, I didn't think about it. And you'd be like, you'd be like, duh, how could you not? I've, so you might be teaching me about myself because I don't see that. So that's kind of the, that's kind of a little bit profound metaphysical thing or something, but it may be, I don't know, but I'm thinking it's just such a, again, a beautiful, those are people who are live in isolation and who don't recognize the importance of being in community miss out, not on to learn what others are doing, but maybe learning more about themselves. Themselves. Yeah, no, exactly. And there's just so many examples now and you don't know it like when you're in the moment, right? Like it only works as you're like, look back retrospectively, like, you know, hindsight is 2020 when you see everything, but there's different moments I think about from, cause now to one, my best friend at this recent conference that we went to, and I was just like, I just, first, I think it's crazy that we're at a meeting together and we're not like, you know, children in undergrad, but like, it's like, we are established in our career, early stages of our career from that standpoint. But then to see like, our personalities are very different, but to see the growth would be like, oh, I always knew like, this is like, what would be you? And like, I'm glad you see yourself the way I saw you just exactly as you said it. But then I think about like, the time of like when I started in my post uh, started my postdoc lab and my mentor was like so we're a very vocal lab and I was like I'm not very vocal right and so like I'm a processor I sit there I see what people say but in my evolution of my time there and like I used to be super timid to ask questions or from that standpoint and her way of like nudging was to be like this is a safe space and lab meeting right this is where we're, we want to be the most critical and nothing's personal because we want to be the most critical of our science because we want to put the best science out right and so like that's how we learn the interaction and how to do it and and just those little daily things which I now find myself implementing with my lab right and so then I was I like fast forward to see towards the end we'll be at like meetings and she always wanted us to go to the mic to ask a question like the lab needs to go to the mic and ask questions so she would do gentle messages I was like hey you have a we get a little Slack message or a text message. Hey, it would be a great opportunity for you to go to the mic, right? And so, like that would be one way to. So, because the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. So now I didn't even realize because now I'm in my faculty position. I'll be like, I do a lot of like, why or have you thought of this, right? Only because I'm just more comfortable asking the question, not feeling. I used to just be nervous to ask any question, right? And so, like those are things to like know that I promise. Some I used to definitely be the person who sits there, processes, takes it back. But it's okay to also be like, hey, what about this? It's okay if the answer is no. That's yeah, ingraining that in the culture, that practice of being curious without taking it personally, but also delivering and, and making it under, understood that, that are the, that's the expectation here. We don't personalize this. We don't make yes. it personal. We make it yes. about the science. And so that's another great example, Aisha, of someone you know learning from others, but then learning about yourself. Like, oh, I just... I feel like, why do I feel like I'm getting red and splotchy and nervous? Are they attacking me? And then learning, oh, that's right. It's not about me. It's not about me. Or I could never stammer at a microphone publicly and ask, but I'm getting pinged to do it and I'm going to do it. And, oh, nobody like booed me or threw stuff at me. That's cool to do this. So um, you grow your confidence. Exactly. And like when I saw, I remember vividly because I went to a meeting with my first trainee was there at the meeting. I was like, oh my gosh, it's my lab, my trainee, right? And so I remember texting my mentor because my trainee went up to the mic and asked a question. And I was like, oh my God, it really is. Like it does make, like you can see the growth, right? And so like 
a lot of my mentors always say, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of my mentors always say, you know, the best part of my job is seeing you guys shine. And I was like, okay, they just say that, right? Like, you know, like, and until you're a mentor, you're like, oh my God, when they understand the topic. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, and I think from the peer to peer, that's like one of the other things, like for me, because it is, it's daunting, right? To say to another mentor, you feel like you're just asking for their time. You don't want to talk about these other things. I think the peer to peer is the safe space to do that in right because you can be like how do you ta- uh you know manage this do you feel like this and like I also like to be um I've noticed like I try to gravitate towards different personalities just so I can feel I can get a different perspective because I already feel like not all the time but most of the time I know what I'm going to feel or re- respond to so so getting another perspective I think is very helpful for me just be like oh how would they approach this mm-hmm. yeah I have a I have a mentor who I purposely I was in a real sticky situation and I purposely called her and told and told her my story, my side of the story and said, okay, now tell me what I'm not thinking. Tell me the other thing, you know? And she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, but I, I said, no, please. And you know that that's why I called you. I mean, I know you, I, I want to hear right. the way I'm not thinking that is my, my, my preference to is to think this way. Now I really, I, I'm inviting you to, give it to me straight because I, that's why I reached out to you. Otherwise, if I wanted to hear this, someone going, Oh yeah, Kim. Yeah. You're right. Kim. You're right. Kim. You're right. Kim. (laughs) Call 10 other people. (laughs) I want to hear from you to go, Hey, snap out of it. Yeah. So yeah, that that's so valuable. Well, I love, love, love what you've done. Congratulations again, Dr. Aisha Shafi. If you want to get in touch with her, you need to email her at a S H A F I at CPDR, that stands for the Center for Prostate Disease Research.org. I'll repeat it, A-S-H-A-F-I at CPDR.org. And her partner in crime, her peer mentor bestie is Dr. Sarah Amond, and she's at S-A-M-E-N-D-2, S-A-M-E-N-D-2 at J-H-M-I dot E-D-U. Aisha, you are a delight. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. I'll let you peace out to everybody. Thank you so much for having me. And I, of course, I can't can't go without giving a shout out to Sarah. Without her, I wouldn't have been able to do the peer-to-peer and continue to thrive and then also be on here and meet you, Kimberly. You're so wonderful. So I really appreciate all that you do. And I've listened to your other podcasts too. So it's very, very impactful for us <laughs> across the board. All right. Till the next time, Faculty Factory people, send send uh, recommendations, sponsor someone to be on the, on the podcast. We want to hear from you and your friends. Hello, everybody. It's your podcast producer, Casey Callanan. I just want to let you know that as of October 1st, 2023, this podcast has had nearly 80,000 total downloads and YouTube views from listeners in 84 different countries. On the facultyfactory.org website, We've drawn nearly 40,000 web visits from users in 122 different countries. This is truly an international platform, and we'd love to invite you to be a guest on our show. Our host, Dr. Kimberly Skorupski, makes the experience very engaging, relaxing, and quite frankly, she makes it fun. 
As producer, I'll make the edits if you need it. So there's really no pressure on you and we can make edits to your interview on the back end if you'd like us to. We just want to hear from different faculty around the world so we can all learn from each other. Please reach out if you'd like to be a guest or to nominate someone in our academic medicine community that you think would be a great guest for us to hear from. You can visit the Contact Us page on facultyfactory.org or you can contact Dr. Skorupski directly at kskorupski at jhmi.edu. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.